I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Ezekiel chapters 20 and 21. This is the New King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. First, let's set the stage for Ezekiel chapter 20. Since Ezekiel tells us that these prophecies were given in July-August 591 B.C., let's take a look at what we know about this time period. That will provide a little perspective to this prophecy. After having considered Ezekiel's previous prophecies concerning the imminent fall of Jerusalem, these elders of the exiles still had hope that Judah and Jerusalem would be able to beat the inevitable, and that's their fall to Babylon. Here is what we know from secular historical sources. In the late summer of 591 BC, the news of Egypt's victory in the Sudan undoubtedly had reached the remnant of Judeans at Tel Abib over in Babylon. Certainly, rumors also indicated that Psalmatic II, who was an Egyptian king of the 26th dynasty, he reigned from 595 BC to 589 BC, that he would march against the Babylonians in Palestine. Naturally, these Jewish exiles would have been quite excited about the possible outcome of these actions. Perhaps Psalmatic II would be able to kick Nebuchadnezzar out of the region and make it possible for the Jewish state to once again be established. Zedekiah had foolishly shared the same dream when he revolted from Babylonian rule and placed his confidence in Egypt's strength somewhere between the end of 591 and 589 B.C., well, that turned out to be a bad move because the Pharaoh soon became ill and the potential strength of Egypt never really materialized. And, well, you know what happened to Zedekiah. With that being established, here the elders of the exiled Jews request an audience with Ezekiel to get an idea of what to expect now. And that's in verse 1. So let's begin reading Ezekiel chapter 20, the first 32 verses of that chapter. Verse 1, It came to pass in the seventh year, in the fifth month, on the tenth day of the month, that certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire the Lord, and sat before me. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the elders of Israel, and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Have you come to inquire of me? As I live, says the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. Will you judge them, son of man? Will you judge them? Then make known to them the abominations of their fathers. Say to them, Thus says the Lord God, On the day when I chose Israel and raised my hand in an oath to the descendants of the house of Jacob, and made myself known to them of the land of Egypt, I raised my hand in an oath to them, saying, I am the Lord your God. On that day I raised my hand in an oath to them to bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land that I had searched out for them, flowing with milk and honey, the glory of all lands. Then I said to them, Each of you throw away the abominations which are before his eyes, and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me and would not obey me. They did not all cast away the abominations which were before their eyes, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said, I will pour out my fury on them and fulfill my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. 
but I acted for my name's sake, that it should not be profaned before the Gentiles, among whom they were, in whose sight I had made myself known to them, to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Therefore I made them go out of that land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness, and I gave them my statutes and showed them my judgments, which, if a man does, he shall live by them. Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Yet the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statutes. They despised my judgments, which, if a man does, he shall live by them, and they greatly defiled my Sabbaths. Then I said, I would pour out my fury on them in the wilderness to consume them. But I acted for my name's sake, that it should not be profaned before the Gentiles in whose sight I had brought them out. So I also raised my hand in an oath to them in the wilderness, that I would not bring them into the land which I had given them, flowing with milk and honey, the glory of all lands, because they despised my judgments and did not walk in my statutes, but profane my Sabbaths, for their heart went after their idols. Nevertheless, my eye spared them from destruction. I did not make an end of them in the wilderness. But I said to their children in the wilderness, Do not walk in the statutes of your fathers, nor observe their judgments, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes, keep my judgments, and do them. Hallow my Sabbaths, and they will be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. Notwithstanding, the children rebelled against me. They did not walk in my statutes, and were not careful to observe my judgments, which, if a man does, he shall live by them. But they profaned my Sabbaths. Then I said I would pour out my fury on them, and fulfill my anger against them in the wilderness. Nevertheless, I withdrew my hand and acted for my namesake, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the Gentiles, in whose sight I had brought them out. Also I raised my hand in an oath to those in the wilderness that I would scatter them among the Gentiles and disperse them throughout the countries, because they had not executed my judgments, but had despised my statutes, profaned my Sabbaths, and their eyes were fixed on their fathers' idols. Therefore I also gave them up to statutes that were not good, and judgments by which they could not live, and I pronounced them unclean because of their ritual gifts, in that they caused all their firstborn to pass through the fire, that I might make them desolate, and that they might know that I am the Lord. Therefore, son of man, speak to the house of Israel and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, In this too your fathers have blasphemed me by being unfaithful to me. When I brought them into the land concerning which I had raised my hand in an oath to give them, and they saw all the high hills and all the thick trees, there they offered their sacrifices and provoked me with their offerings. There they also sent up their sweet aroma and poured out their drink offerings. Then I said to them, What is this high place to which you go? So its name is called Bama to this day. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Are you defiling yourselves in the manner of your fathers and committing harlotry according to their abominations? For when you offer your gifts and make your sons pass through the fire, you defile yourselves with all your idols even to this day. So shall I be inquired of by you, O house of Israel? As I live, says the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you.
What you have in your mind shall never be when you say we will be like the Gentiles, like the families in the other countries serving wood and stone. Well, Ezekiel gives the familiar history of Israel's repeated rebellion against God once again. They rebelled coming out of Egypt. Their children rebelled. Not long after entering Canaan, they began serving their false gods. Ezekiel verbalizes those idolatrous actions, even appearing to present them as tests from God in the way they are presented, beginning in verse 18 through 26. Because they rebelled against the worship of the one true God, God gave them over to ungodly pagan statutes, which completely corrupted them. The sinfulness of their ancestors all the way down to the present group of renegades is clearly presented in verses 27 to 31. Finally, Ezekiel asked these exiled Jewish leaders the big question. Do you corrupt Jewish leaders still have the audacity to inquire regarding the legitimacy of Ezekiel's prophecy concerning the fall of Jerusalem? They obviously expected to be delivered, according to their false prophets, and they expected to prosper under the false gods brought home from these other nations. The bottom line of verse 32 is God saying this, Nope, that's just not going to happen. Ezekiel prophesies from God that they will not turn to God. What about restoration? That's the subject of verses 33 through 44. Verse 33, As I live, says the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm, and with fury poured out, I will rule over you. I will bring you out from the peoples and gather you out of the countries where you are scattered with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm, and with fury poured out. And I will bring you into the wilderness of the peoples, and there I will plead my case with you face to face. Just as I pleaded my case with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, so I will plead my case with you, says the Lord God. I will make you pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. I will purge the rebels from among you and those who transgress against me. I will bring them out of the country where they dwell, but they shall not enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. As for you, O house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, Go serve every one of you his idols, and hereafter, if you will not obey me, but profane my holy name no more with your gifts and your idols. For on my holy mountain, on the mountain height of Israel, says the Lord God, there all the house of Israel, all of them in the land shall serve me. There I will accept them, and there I will require your offerings and the first fruits of your sacrifices, together with all your holy things. I will accept you as a sweet aroma when I bring you out from the peoples and gather you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will be hallowed in you before the Gentiles. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I bring you into the land of Israel into the country for which I raised my hand in an oath to give to your fathers. And there you shall remember your ways and all your doings with which you were defiled, and you shall loathe yourselves in your own sight because of all the evils that you have committed. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have dealt with you for my namesake, not according to your wicked ways, nor according to your corrupt doings, O house of Israel, says the Lord God. Well, here Ezekiel continues his answer to their iniquity. Yes, there will be a restoration, but not like they were thinking. The stipulations listed here describe the events which take place after the smoke is cleared from the Battle of Armageddon. That's recorded in Revelation 19, verses 11 through 21. 
and that's just before the millennium begins. Notice the provisions of this restoration which Ezekiel prophesies. First of all, God himself will rule over them, we see in verse 33. Then a regathering from the nations, plural, by the way, nations, in which the Jews are scattered in verse 34. A claiming of the exiled Jews, as in the passing under the rod. It's a picture of his own sheep passing under the shepherd's rod in verse 37. And then an obedience to the covenant. Undoubtedly, the new covenant of Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34 is in view here, based upon other details of this passage that will follow. And that's seen here in verse 37. Rebels against God will be purged out, we see in verse 38. Now, was this the criteria of the restoration fulfilled under Cyrus the Persian in 535 B.C. after the defeat of the Babylonians? Well, it is true that Jews began returning to Palestine at that time, and they were very zealous toward God, at least for a while after that. However, a close inspection of this criteria reveals that all the components listed in these 12 verses did not exist at the time of the return to the land beginning in 535 B.C., Therefore, the restoration of which Ezekiel speaks here is definitely a description of the yet future millennium. As a matter of fact, the five conditions as stated above, as we mentioned earlier, each have stipulations that eliminate the possibility that they might be confused with the return of the exiles in 535 B.C. It's definitely a millennium passage. And then in chapter 20, verses 45 through 49, we find a fire of judgment is coming their way, verse 45. Furthermore, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face toward the south, preach against the south, and prophesy against the forest land the south, and say to the forest of the south, Hear the word of the Lord, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will kindle a fire in you, and it shall devour every green tree and every dry tree in you, the blazing flame shall not be quenched, and all the faces from the south to the north shall be scorched by it. All flesh shall see that I, the Lord, have kindled it. It shall not be quenched. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, they say of me, does he not speak parables? Ezekiel still prophesying to the elders that came to ask his counsel in verse 1. Here is yet another prophecy concerning judgment on Judah, but this time Ezekiel focuses in on the southern portion of Israel known as the Negev. This fire appears to be a metaphor for God's fiery judgment of the Babylonians against Judah. This judgment prophecy serves as an introduction to the prophecy of chapter 21. As we read chapter 21, we have a vivid prophecy of the fall of Jerusalem, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face toward Jerusalem, preach against the holy places, and prophesy against the land of Israel, and say to the land of Israel, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am against you, and I will draw my sword out of its sheath, and cut off both righteous and wicked from you. Because I will cut off both righteous and wicked from you, therefore my sword shall go out of its sheath against all flesh from south to north." that all flesh may know that I, the Lord, have drawn my sword out of its sheath, it shall not return any more. Sigh therefore, son of man, with a breaking heart, and sigh with bitterness before their eyes. And it shall be when they say to you, Why are you sighing, that you shall answer because of the news, when it comes, every heart will melt, all hands will be feeble, every spirit will faint, and all knees will be weak as water." Behold, it is coming, and it shall be brought to pass, says the Lord God. 
Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord, say, A sword, a sword is sharpened and also polished, sharpened to make a dreadful slaughter, polished to flash like lightning. Should we then make mirth? It despises the scepter of my son as it does all wood, and he has given it to be polished, that it may be handled. This sword is sharpened, and it is polished, to be given into the hand of the slayer. Cry and wail, son of man, for it will be against my people, against all the princes of Israel. Terrors, including the sword, will be against my people. Therefore, strike your thigh, because it is a testing. And what if the sword despises even the scepter? The scepter shall be no more, says the Lord God. You, therefore, son of man, prophesy and strike your hands together. The third time let the sword do double damage. It is the sword that slays, the sword that slays the great men that enters their private chambers. I have set the point of the sword against all their gates, that the heart may melt and many may stumble. Ah, it is made bright. It is grasped for slaughter. Swords at the ready, thrust right, set your blade. Thrust left, wherever your edge is ordered. I also will beat my fist together, and I will cause my fury to rest. I, the Lord, have spoken. The word of the Lord came to me again, saying, And, son of man, appoint for yourself two ways for the sword of the king of Babylon to go. Both of them shall go from the same land. Make a sign, put it at the head of the road to the city. Appoint a road for the sword to go to Rabbah, of the Ammonites, and to Judah into fortified Jerusalem. For the king of Babylon stands at the parting of the road, at the fork of the two roads, to use divination. He shakes the arrows, he consults the images, he looks at the liver. In his right hand is the divination for Jerusalem, to set up battering rams, to call for a slaughter, to lift the voice with shouting, to set battering rams against the gates, to heap up a siege mound, and to build a wall. And it will be to them like a false divination in the eyes of those who have sworn oaths with them, but he will bring their iniquity to remembrance that they may be taken. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have made your iniquity to be remembered, in that your transgressions are uncovered, so that in all your doings your sins appear, because you have come to remembrance, you shall be taken in hand. Now to you, O profane, Wicked prince of Israel, whose day has come, whose iniquity shall end, thus says the Lord God, remove the turban and take off the crown, nothing shall remain the same. Exalt the humble and humble the exalted. Overthrown, overthrown, I will make it overthrown, it shall be no longer until he comes whose right it is, and I will give it to him. And you, son of man, prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord God concerning the Ammonites and concerning their reproach, and say, A sword, a sword is drawn, polished for slaughter, for consuming, for flashing. While they see false visions for you, while they divine a lie to you, to bring you on the necks of the wicked, the slain, whose day has come, whose iniquity shall end, return it to its sheath. I will judge you in the place where you were created, in the land of your nativity." I will pour out my indignation on you. I will blow against you with the fire of my wrath and deliver you into the hands of brutal men who are skillful to destroy. You shall be fuel for the fire. Your blood shall be in the midst of the land. You shall not be remembered, for I, the Lord, have spoken. Now remember, they came to Ezekiel and asked for a second opinion in chapter 20, verse 1. 
This is a continuation of the condemnation that began in chapter 20, verse 45. But now Ezekiel begins to describe this judgment against Judah with a sword metaphor. Verse 19 clearly identifies this sword judgment when it says, The sword of the king of Babylon may come. Now here's the sword of God's judgment against Judah and Jerusalem, prophesying the final destruction in 586 B.C. at the hands of the Babylonians. The sword is drawn in verses 1 through 5. The sword is sharpened in verses 8 through 17. The sword is directed toward Jerusalem in verses 18 to 27. And then the sword is directed toward Ammon in verses 28 through 32. Ezekiel uses the sword to paint a thorough picture of God's judgment upon Judah and Jerusalem for their disobedience. Keep in mind, the elders, they did ask Ezekiel what to expect. Sometimes you just hate to be right. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.